Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Tonight, in the studio, you've got me, Ian, Greg, and Jay. Just arrived here tonight, fresh from New York City. Greg, uh, welcome back. Thank you very much. Yeah. Glad to be here. How was the drive up? Some traffic. Just some? Yeah, okay. It's not so bad. (laughs) It was either that or uh, coming up last night, but I was so tired. I was like, no, I'll just do it today. So uh, what was it, like five hours? Yeah, I think, yeah, plus I stopped by to get pizza. Okay, sweet. Right on. Well, I'm glad you made it safely out of New York City. How often do you come up here? Uh, I travel a lot, but last time I was in New Hampshire, I think was like six months ago. So, so when you go back to New York City and then you cross that line into like Massachusetts, do you kind of like feel a little bit of yourself just hurt, uh, (laughs) at all? Leave yourself in New York City. Um, I mean, it's home. I grew up in New York. I know like uh, every nook and cranny of Manhattan, you know. Yeah. Is that where you live? Is Manhattan? Um, Brooklyn. Oh, okay. But, you know, I like to live outside of the big metropolis and like go in there, do my thing and have a little peace. Brooklyn afterwards. is outside of the metro- metropolis? You could say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. All right. So I'm from. Looking Ma- from here, it's it's part of it. Right. I'm from Massachusetts, uh, like literally 58 miles from right here. And I used to. Uh, drive up to uh, New Hampshire all the time when I wasn't living here, and and I would definitely, uh, especially like, uh, well, I come up here and visit sometimes just for a few hours or maybe stay a night somewhere. But a lot of times I come up for a day, and it was always hard going home. You know, you know, mm-hmm. going back to Massachusetts, and when I and I would just feel like, you know, I'm you know crossing East Berlin Wall or something. You know, going back yeah. to the dangerous territory, going back to Massachusetts, and. Uh, and well, it's then, not a joke. I mean, if you've no. got a gun or a bullet or something right. like that, uh, and you cross the, you know, even if you're not a felon, yeah, and yeah. you cross the border from New Hampshire into Massachusetts, and you don't realize you've done it or whatever, and then yep. all, you get pulled over some nonsense, they, oh, can, yeah. they could string you up with a felony charge down there for that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I, crazy. Uh... <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Yeah, sure. What would happen if the United States were not as united and they just had, like, borders between each other, right? You mean the United States of America, because the United States is exclusively limited to the the District of Columbia territories and possessions. I don't, uh, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, New Hampshire, the nation of New Hampshire, is not within the United States. It's a it's a sovereign nation of its own that is in a union of states, a federation called the United States of America. So if you you mean, That's, yeah, I'm talking about United States of America. Right. Although I did hear a lot of that from California, the Republic of California, yep. or the Lone Star State. Mm-hmm. And uh, Texas, very, very proud. You know, a lot of times, there's many things here, and we could get into this on the show, but when a federation, if if a federation falls apart, or a part of it breaks off, like Brexit, right, you get this um, generation of people growing up with this national identity now, which previously was just, I'm part of New York, you know, New York is not that important, Uh Relative to the United States, the United States of America. That's yep. the country. Um, Actually, it's not really the country. It's a federation. It's a of federation. Yes. But yes. my point is the way people think about it, it's a giant country. Right, right. Because they're brainwashed to think this in this sort of nationalistic stance that as all of the 50 nations are one nation under God and you know, pledge allegiance to this piece of cloth, which, you know, mm. I actually rejected allegiance to the United States in writing when I did my passport application. Now, this is my point. My point is that when you're part of one federation, then your membership in New Hampshire 
or New York is somewhat lesser than if New Hampshire was its own country and broke off, right? So then you would fight to defend New Hampshire. My point is like of the war in Ukraine. You could mm-hmm. see this firsthand. When Ukraine and Russia and Belarus and others were part of a federation, right, USSR, the same land, Crimea, went from Russia to Ukraine because some guys in the government said this is how it's going to be. No one asked the people there. And no one killed each other over it. I like definitions that are very, very useful, that you know you could use them in many different contexts. I don't know if being part of the United States means just Washington, D.C. is very useful for me to convince people because they're going to be like, no. You're just like, well, that's what the right IRS, away, you're not like you're not matching what I believe. Right? That's the so the IRS only enforces its position against U.S. citizens. Fine, and uh, no matter where they are, and they are very uh, specifically the legal basis the for the, what the IRS yep. does is murky anyway. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So what I'd like to say is, look, you people build organizations. We all know who people are, right? Mm-hmm. Humans. We get together and we start organizations. We can start Free Talk Live, a radio show. We could start a chess club. We could start a mall, okay? Each of these organizations has some governance structure, typically. So if there's a treasurer, a president, or whatever, right? And then they can uh, appoint other people. Sometimes it's democratic. Sometimes it's uh, by appointment, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have the same thing in larger organizations like cities, neighborhoods and then cities and then what we here call states you know but they may call cantons uh, in switzerland Mm -hmm. or maybe they call uh chinese provinces or canadian provinces right and then those in turn join into commonwealths uh or like it used to be the commonwealth of pennsylvania right or massachusetts Massachusetts, virginia virginia and then they turn into states of the united states which is a federation so I think these are like not just mainstream definitions, but useful definitions, right? Because then you could say, okay, there seems to be a structure, whether it's a small mall with a president and a treasurer, and they take your rent money of your store and they decide um, we're going to spend it on a train set for the kids. And you're like, that's stupid, but it's up to them, right? So I see a lot of like when you pay rent to a mall, it's kind of like a business paying taxes to the state or the city okay it's not the same as the federal government but it's almost the same whether you're in a small organization or not so that's my mental model yep and to me the problem is the scale when the when the organization gets so big it becomes out of touch with the little guy and what they need you know there may be look at all the homeless in san francisco and look at all the uh the inequality that you see um a lot of times you see less inequality in a small close-knit community than you would see in a large city because there's the haves and the have-nots and some people run the government of the city, right? And uh, the people who might not necessarily have much, they don't have much influence either. And, and a lot of these poor people, the, the have-nots, uh, are tremendously subsidized by the city. Uh, I've been saying for years, uh, stop subsidizing poor people because you're creating more of them. One of the things you've called in about, Greg, over time is kind of mixing both of those ideas. The UBI, which is, I always forget what it stands for. Universal Basic Income. Universal Basic Income. 
which normally when people talk about it, they're talking about government printing or taxing and then redistributing money. But that's not always what you mean when you talk about it, because you are like also a tech guy. You've got this uh, Intercoin project that you've been working on for uh, for a while. And your, at least what you've proposed in the past, has been to have a voluntary form of UBI, meaning that it would be voluntary to sign up for. So not necessarily universal, because not everyone would necessarily choose to receive it. Uh, but also, it would be voluntary to contribute to. I mean, is it, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but did I understand that correctly? Yeah, I'm very much a voluntarist, uh, especially the thing that really gets the libertarian out in me is war. You know, when men get conscripted, and it's typically men, you know, younger men who go, and like I said before, they have the nationalist uh, ideology, you know. Right. Uh, I, meaning nationalist in the sense that you, you, you're identifying with your nation, right, with your country, and you're trying to fight for it. These ideas of country become, like I said, these ideas, in my opinion, are just ideas, right? The idea of a government, to me, government is a special case of a team that manages something. But the idea that you belong to a, a religion or a country or, a, you know, this flag or that flag, it makes people kill each other. But regular people don't want to kill each other, typically. I've spoken mm -hmm. to regular people all around the world. I've went everywhere from Jordan. I've been in Ukraine. I've been in Russia. Uh, I haven't been in Yemen so there's a religious component there uh, with uh, the Shiites and the Sunnis. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a proxy war there. And I think now people say in Ukraine as well, uh, uh, look, the proxy war is when the governments, sometimes outside the country with no skin in the game, they don't have to go and fight. They don't have their children go and sign up either. But they get these young men to go and fight. And the women and the children, well, they have to get out of Dodge, Right. And the men go get conscripted. And for what? Uh, they are forced to fight. But regular people, if you put them in a room, they're not going to fight. Israelis and Palestinians, put them in a room, they're not going to kill each other. It's only the governments that make them uh, you know, fight each other. Sure. So my point is that I'm a voluntarist. And if there's a, uh, you know, I, don't, I want people to self-organize. And I don't want them to depend on the media because the media is top-down. It selects what to show, and it always shows how the other guys are bad and our guys are good, and the other media shows the other way. And so people who are following this, they don't have the tools to self-organize. I love to build tools for people to self-organize. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to get back to your point, uh, UBI, we don't need the government, the federal government. Andrew Yang, I helped uh, with his campaign a little bit. I liked the guy. He tried to use the apparatus of the U.S. government. He couldn't even get 2% of the vote, I think. For, <laughs> right? The system is not going to let an outsider like this come in and create a UBI for everyone. I mean, even Nixon couldn't do it, and he was president okay, back then. So we, the people, can organize town by town, state by state, or neighborhood by neighborhood, have our own currencies. And currencies are voluntary. I don't have to use Visa MasterCard I don't have, as, a, as a store. right? I don't have to accept Bitcoin. Nope. It's not fiat. I don't have to accept it. You don't even have to accept fiat. You don't have to accept it, but you can't sue someone for a debt. That's correct. Yeah. That's what that the legal tender laws is what makes fiat have its uh demand. Well, and I know that you wanted to talk about the dollar, I think, tonight on the world stage. There's different countries that are having, let's say, issues, apparently. With oh, yeah. Having enough of them. Is that right? I've I'm not followed the story. Well, on a local level, just to get to your point, mm -hmm. uh, if we had our own currencies, we could serve each other and we could do it with our own credits and our own 
credit extended to mm-hmm. each other. I've interviewed economists to talk about a store could have credits extended to people, and then the people could go and spend those credits into the system. They could spend it at the store, or they could pay each other in these credits and then redeem them at the store. But the store doesn't need the bank's permission or the government's permission. Is that kind of like a company town? I heard just today, I didn't have a chance to read the article. It was very lengthy. Uh, but I, I guess Wall Street Journal wrote an article that Elon Musk wants to build his own town in Texas, apparently. Would would that be like what you're talking about with like company script? Eh, no, <laughs> no. So then old 19th century corporate towns uh-huh. where you lived and oh, there was one store, which is effectively a monopoly. And that store is where you spent all your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, before the greenback, before the the dollar became what it is today. There's a lot of different issues of money, right? There's banks, there's these companies, but I'm not talking about top-down control. Hmm. Corporations, to me, are just another top-down control. Let's go to the phones here. We got Ricky on the line in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian, Brother Jay, Brother Greg. Pleasure to meet you. Likewise. What's on your mind tonight? All right. Well, this is concerning my call into the show last night. Last okay. night, Arya was hosting, and it was Bonnie and Nikki. But yeah. Nikki really don't have anything to do with any of this. You barely heard her all night, by the mm. way. Okay, that being said, uh, Arya monitored. I called in the, on the third hour. I didn't even know who was on the show because I was busy all night. Okay. You know? So Arya monitored me. I gave her my topic, which is leaving the union. Okay, she said, Ricky from Pennsylvania said, thank you, sister, Aria, Bonnie, the whole thing, you know. And then I started talking about that. Now, that went okay throughout all of that. Okay. Okay. You talked about leaving the union. Secession. Right. That All that stuff went okay, Mm -hmm. except for the point where I meant, where Bonnie said about Lincoln being a Republican, I pointed out that he was actually a union party member. But that is. Well, it doesn't matter. The guy was a tyrant. Whatever he was. He was. He was. He was. But that, regardless of that, we move on. Okay. See, here's where it got rough. As you remember, I said last night, I started to say about this weird thing that happened, not only to me, but others in Pennsylvania in school. Now, what ended up happening is I did leave a point out last night because the side break happened and I didn't say it. So I thought I'd say it tonight. Now, right when I said, if you fail doing this, and you go into a special class, that's when it went to hell. What What if you and fail it, doing what? If you don't spell the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania properly on the piece of paper, they would put you in the special class and make you repeat the second grade. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, that, that's, that, okay, that's that so aside, ridiculously that unbelievable. Again. Like, you could understand Maybe why someone is, would... You could understand why someone would balk at that, right? Probably not anymore. Okay, but that's, that's fine. That's not a problem. Here's what my problem is. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. What did happen then is right after that, there was a mo- there was about 60 seconds where it got real hot, real quick between me and Aria. Okay. But then this happened. I got done. And I know this because my phone actually makes a tone sound when it disconnects. Yeah, I, was I, heard you heard, I heard you said the F word on the air. That's why you got done. I did not. I did not. Because here's what I know because. What happened is I let that go. I didn't listen to it till the next morning. I listened to all three hours of the show. Uh-huh. And here's what I heard after I got dumped. This is what happened. Uh, after I got dumped, Aria just started talking to Bonnie and discussing what had happened. But then after that, Aria said, 
this is why we have a dump button. She then proceeded to say, uh, I put him on hold, and he must not have noticed it, because I was going to give him an opportunity to respond. And then she said this one, and I'm quoting this as best as possible, this is why we have a dump button, mm -hmm. and I used it quickly. Now, here's my issue Okay, so you're that. claiming you didn't say the F word on the air? I did not. Okay. Well, that's what okay. I heard last night, and I wasn't here to hear it, uh, Ricky. So the only way okay, I, I the make, only way I, I could do it would be to review the dump machine, which actually does capture the audio that was dumped. So I actually would be able to go back in and verify okay. whether you are telling the truth uh, or not. But it, uh, I don't recall whether it was just Aria who told me you said the F word or if it was more than one host last night. But either way, now, I don't understand the point of why you're calling and complaining I'm gonna, about I'm going to tell, tell you why, Ian. See, because I see that as a Freudian slip, she said at last, that I hit it quickly, because I was already way gone before her and Bonnie started talking again and all of that. And the way I see it, I don't care about what happened to me being dumped, but there's millions of people, your whole audience, hearing this. We don't have and millions you know of people what? in our that's audience. Lot. I mean, that that'd be, be nice, a, that but would be a lie. we're not that big of a show. But either way, it would still be a lie, you know what I mean? So you're and claiming Aria lied. You're saying she she actually physically dropped – she dropped your call off the air and then pressed yeah. the dump button and then lied about why she pressed the dump button? Correct. Is what you're claiming? That's exactly what okay. happened. Kind of a waste right. of time. I promise yeah. you. Yeah, it's definitely a waste of time. I think uh, – I'm building this software for, you know, hopefully the show. I think that the text-based format is excellent for this. If you write in – and you could do an investigation and so on. But uh, talking about it on the show, the next show, takes up just as much time as the previous thing. And I wanted to bring up something about war. Uh, I'm very much against war. Uh, so much against war that I didn't register for the draft. And, nice. Wow. Wish I'd uh, been that brave back then. Well, uh, my father had not registered for the draft. Uh, and when you know, of course, and, you also didn't have a social security number, so uh, that that probably yeah, well, that that bit. didn't even yeah, it wasn't you know had anything to do with it. But the bottom line is, you don't have to register for the draft. They no, can't don't. force your signature uh, on a document. So I believe that you know this whole um, and, and so when you actually when, when you get when you're 16 years old or 16 and a half and you get your your government permission slip called a learner's permit or a driver's license before you're 18, your parents have to sign. And in that paperwork, when your parents sign that at the Registry of Motor Vehicles, because I got a driver's license right, in Colorado. service, right? Uh, well, no, your parents promise as part of signing, you know, you know, you into a your first jurisdictional trap, a driver's license. Because mm -hmm. um, <laughs> if you're under 18 years old, that's, you, you essentially aren't able to contract, you know, in law. So your your parent, you know, contracts sort of on your behalf. But one of the things that your parent promises to do when they do this is to have you sign up for a selective service. So basically the promise is when the thing shows up in the mail, you're going to present it to your 18-year-old kid and say, here you go. Is that like confirmation in Catholicism? I, I Reconfirm maybe. your faith and you're 18? Mm -hmm. yeah, oh, yeah, you reconfirm your faith and, you know, your allegiance to the United States. So you get baptized when you're a child and you don't choose to do that. I, I'm Jewish, but uh, yeah, yeah. you know this is what I know. Uh, in Catholicism, you you get baptized, and your parents do it, and then I don't. I guess that well, say, you get saved if if like I've always wondered what happens if like a child passes away. God forbid. 
in Catholicism that I think they're saved from the holy water of the baptism. But then what's the Jewish equivalent of the baptism? Is it circumcision? Is that a that's Well, a baptism thing, right? is actually the the mikvah, you know, um the Jewish uh, word mikvah mm-hmm. is uh it's in the Bible, the you know, the five books. Uh the Genesis uh actually it's in Genesis 1, I think. Mikvaot is um plural of mikvah and it just means waters, mm-hmm. like the waters of the world. So there's rivers and oceans and lakes and stuff, natural bodies of water. Is and, there a procedure in regards to that? Well, so, so the Jews purified themselves in these waters whenever they would go, before they would go to the temple or a holy place. Would these be the sulfur waters? No, no, it's just regular water. <laughs> okay. So they would wash themselves before going to temple, kind of like themselves. Muslims uh, do before they pray? Like Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so John the Baptist, from what I understand, he was just dunking people in water, but he was saying also that that you know, takes off their sin, right? Mm-hmm. In Judaism, it would take your ritual impurity but the sin is something that you would uh, bring a sacrifice to the temple for. Um, okay. So there's a lot of different sects at that time. John the Baptist was sort of like outside of the temple, uh, you know, Judaism, let's say, and he was doing his thing. And there were many other sects. And so, and, and Jesus came to him according to the Gospels, and he baptized him. But the word baptism is maybe a Greek word, I don't know, hmm. but I think it refers to that ancient practice of immersing in water. And uh, typically you would do that naked, actually, um, completely. Oh, they naked. don't do that these days. Yeah, I'm not sure they do that. <laughs> but 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 I like how you bring that around to the, uh, you know, the selective service, uh, signing up for selective service is like reconfirming your sort of allegiance yeah, to the United religion. States. You know, yeah. I, I, I refer to it as the second or first jurisdictional trap people uh, enter that, into. That's what it is. When you when you try to look at societies, 19th century, like any Christian society, uh, you had to be part of the Christian thing. Uh, take Russia, for example. Uh, you had to be part of it in order Church. to get married, in order to have a, a civic life, uh, take a job. Mahler, I think he was Jewish. He took on Christianity in order to be a conductor. Does Russia okay. have other religions now besides well, the no, Orthodox Church? Well, no, when the, the communists, the godless commies mm-hmm. uh, came in, right, and they had the revolution, which, by the way, another civil war, 20 million killed, you know, like yep. you talked about Lincoln after being After they disarmed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so after that, the godless commies, they had a lot of similar things like the Tsarist Russia did. Like Tsarist Russia had this thing call, uh, called uh, Katurga, which was like, the same as the gulag, okay, send people to Siberia. They had that. They brought it, you know, back in communism. But here's the thing. They had, now think, you have uh, to be part of the party, the, the communist party, in order to get things, to be part of society, uh, rather than be part of the Christian, uh, you know, dominant. You always have to be part of that dominant uh, idea in order to really be accepted. I mean, ultimately, the people that buy into nation states are buying into a religion because the people within the the so-called United States of America, this government, uh, it's essentially just a, it's a mythology. It's just a belief system. It's something that people believe it doesn't actually exist. There are buildings and there are cars and there are things that are quote unquote owned by the government, but it, those aren't the government. The government, the the United States is just a concept. It's this mass delusion that it's, all of these people believe in. And the people who sign up to go to war believe in it so strongly they are literally willing to die for this delusion. And it's it's sad. On some level you're absolutely right. It is uh, you know, a mass belief or concept. But the thing is like as humans, that's what we have. Like we have organizations, right? 
some bank has a balance somewhere or issues some funds, right? Effectively, that bank does have some power, right? Because I could pay for stuff with their credit card and people trust the bank. It's obviously like any one given person can leave the bank and the bank will still be there. Mm -hmm. They can all leave, like Theseus's ship. There's a book. Well, corporations by, last longer than their founders, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the, the Theseus's ship, for people who don't know, is like mm -hmm. basically Theseus had, you know, these uh, adventurers. Like we had the Argonauts and then mm -hmm. Theseus. Uh, it was a different guy. And so these Greek uh, myths. And so the idea is what if you replace the ship? Uh, plank by plank, right? Mm -hmm. Is it still, is it the, still same the same ship? ship? Yeah. So overall, the ship can endure, you know, even though each plank is replaced. The organizations are like that. So I don't think it's not that they it's not that they don't exist. You know, people argue, do imaginary numbers exist, or does this exist, or that? Um, it certainly has power, right? I mean, it certainly has a, a bank account, and a uh, it can conscript you and send you letters, and people work for it, and so on. Yuval Harari has a book called Sapiens, where he talks about... This is the guy from the World Economic Forum, right? Is he? Klaus Schwab's right-hand man, yeah. he's referred huh. to a... Yuval Noral. Not a good guy, you, for no, sure. Yuval Harari? I don't know if that's the same... I, it sounds like it. But hey, Sapiens, he, he talks... He, I, I've heard him say Sapiens. I've, I've studied some of his stuff. But go on about this book. So he says, you know, ants, they have uh, essentially these societies, right? They're like this big organism. The, they, they form this swarm... But humans, but there's a rigid swarm. They all follow the same uh, program. Humans are able to be adaptive. So he's like, humans are the only ones that could build these large organizations and swarms, but also adapt individually. Okay, so the swarms constantly evolve and do things. My point is the governments, the states are the swarms, the, the corporations are the swarms, but the governments are just the people in charge of it at the moment. So government to me is not the enemy because there's no the government Every organization has a government. You guys have a government and a governance uh, structure. To me, that's not the problem. I distill the problem to the scale. The scale is just too big, right? And and then it gets out of touch and it sends these people to die. Whereas the the media people will not go to war. <laughs> you pick a media personality, they're not going to be out there with you know with a target on their on their back. With a ta facing down a tank, they're going to be on the TV telling other people how patriotic we have to be. But we means you. You go and fight. We're going to be on TV continuing to tell you to go fight. So to me, big media, big government, big, big banks, big tech, everything is too big. We talked uh, ex extensively, I think it was Tuesday night on Tuesday's Free Talk Live, about the latest news in Texas where the Texas nationalist movement uh, which is the most, I think, well-known of uh, Texas independence movements, probably one of the most well-known independence movements on the planet right now. Uh, one of their friendly state representatives in the Texas legislature has put forward a bill uh, that, I don't know if it's a carbon copy, but it seems very similar to a bill that had happened in 2021 that unfortunately I don't think made it even made it out of committee at the time. And we spoke on this topic for probably two solid hours on the show because there's a lot to cover. We we got into kind of some of the history of uh, what's been going on there in the Texas nationalist movement. We uh, talked about what happened the last time around and what the plan is uh, this time around with the proposal, as I understood it. And, and uh, now Daniel Miller is joining us here from Texas nationalist movement. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, Ian, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, the proposal, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, 
uh, is that if this thing passes this time around, that uh, it would have to pass, of course, the, the Texas legislature. And would it have to be signed by the Texas governor in order to pass? Yeah, it, it works pretty much just like any other piece of legislation here, you know, with the exception of constitutional amendments. Uh, it has passed by majority of both houses, governor's signature. And then uh, what the bill does is, is pretty straightforward. Uh, if it gets through uh, all the way, then what you're going to have in November of this year will be Texans being able to go to the polls and vote on the question, should the state of Texas reassert its status as an independent nation? This would be 2024, right, if this passes? No, it would be in November of this year. 2023. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so we we have a a true part-time legislature, right? They meet Mm -hmm. for 140 days every other year. So in, in a legislative year, in the year where there's a legislative session, there is a, an, a, essentially a vote in November of that same year for any constitutional amendments that are passed. Okay. So because the vote is already going to take place related to constitutional amendments, uh, that's when we set it so that it would be revenue neutral. It would absolutely have zero cost I whatsoever to, to have the vote. So just to be clear, this is not a constitutional amendment. This would be what's called a referendum, which is essentially – isn't that basically just a statement? It's not like binding. The state legislature doesn't have to actually do anything about this, does it? Well, yeah. Uh, also included in the bill is if the uh, if the the measure comes back in the affirmative, you wind up with a joint legislative committee that uh, sits immediately and has a one year timeline to uh, to go through and develop the plan, deal with the issues that, that spring from it, the constitutional issues, statutory issues, international covenants, treaties and agreements, and finally the negotiated issues. Okay, that's interesting because I didn't know that there was a time limit. I hadn't read the whole two-page thing or whatever, uh, but I didn't realize the committee was actually time-limited because one of our... One of our complaints about this was, oh, great, you're going to turn this over to a bunch of politicians and bureaucrats. They're going to take 10 years to figure out anything about this. Yeah, you know, look, it, it was all, always a concern. So when we created the first draft several sessions back, uh, we had language in there that would have, um, you know, it mandated the governor to call a special session. I mean, there were some things that, that we ultimately wanted that panned out to be unconstitutional. You can't, by statute, require the governor to uh, execute what is a discretionary constitutional function, right? So, um, you know, but, but Ian, let me, let me get back to the issue of binding versus non-binding, right? There's yeah. a, a lot of people that, that seem to be really kind of honed in on, is this binding or is this not binding? What, they, what people really need to understand is that, it, to an extent, it is binding as the statute is written. From a practical perspective, uh, it's about as binding as you can get. I live in New York, so, you know, secession is obviously the... It's not on the table. It's not on the table. I think Staten Island (laughs) talked about seceding from New York. That's about it. Uh, By the way, before you get to the question, the Texas Nationalist Movement, you can check out uh, their website. It's tnm.me. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah. So I had a question um, because I've seen uh, so many times uh, this lead to an escalation in violence. Uh, Bangladesh declared independence from Pakistan. That led to a horrific war uh, of uh, genocidal rape campaigns, systematic and so mm-hmm. on, in which, by the way, the United States supported Pakistan's oh, uh, genocidal rape campaign. Well, they, they didn't support that campaign, but they mm-hmm. supported Pakistan's uh, uh, integrity. Um, so there was a civil war fought in the United States to preserve the Union, right? And my question is, like, my worry, and I, I just want to know what you think about it, is that... 
there seem to be these great powers, right? Or these uh, these big governments with armies. And uh, if you know Texas, all the way th- through California, through Nevada, everything used to be Mexico. And then the United States just took that territory from Mexico in a war against Mexico in the Mexican War. Uh, I think it was like 120 years ago. So my point is um, these territories seem to belong to one country or another, like Catalonia belongs to Spain, and they have their referendum, and then they just arre- Spain arrested all the people who uh, made this, they quote, illegal referendum. I think the people's opinion has to be heard. We should allow people to determine self-determination, right? But the the big governments, the you know the the countries of the world, the UN is composed of them. They don't want to fall apart. They don't want to see people the pieces fly off. So what? Are you concerned about violence escalating if indeed um, this goes forward and, and proceeds and, you know, something happens and Texas declares independence? Well, look, it's a great question. And I'll just address really two things in, in what you talked about. You know, one of the things that is abundantly clear about independence movements around the world uh, is that, you know, to paraphrase Mark Twain, um, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Mm. Um, you know, the, the fact is no two of these independence movements is exactly the same, you know, and you can take uh, Catalonia is a, a, a great, uh, a great example. Uh, and, you know, we probably don't have enough time to get into all the nuance of, of what happened in Catalonia. But, you know, you also have to remember, uh, you know, the Spanish central government is is what, 50 years out of fascism. I mean, you know, not that's not that's not very long, uh, and they still have some centralist tendencies. Uh, plus, it gets into some of the issues about the Catalonian process and things of that nature. But you know, the, the point here is is that we're we're in a very different time, and every one of these is is a very different situation. And when we talk about independence movements here among the states of the United States, we're in a very different time than we were the last time the the federal government decided that it wanted to use force to keep the union together. You know, we're talking about what is essentially a, a, a process that has been developed over the last 75 years where self-determination has been the norm, uh, you know, where, you know, you see these independence referendums more and more and more. And let's not forget that you had the United States effectively send our grandfathers and grandmothers, our fathers and mothers, some of the people that are listening here and our sons and daughters off to fight, bleed, and die uh, allegedly for the right of self-determination for other people. So there is a, a bit of, of history here. And, and, you know, I go back to the, the news uh, clip that was playing a moment ago about Hong Kong and China. What we're essentially saying is if the United States were to use force, they are effectively and ideologically no different than the Communist Chinese Party or Bashar al-Assad in Syria or the dictator in, in North Korea. And then I think for freedom lovers, the, the question answers itself. But, but I want to get to the second part about the, the civil war aspect of this. What we have seen more often than not is this trend toward decentralization, self-determination, and self-government has been the, the mechanism to avoid bloodshed. And I think the, the poster child for that is probably uh, how dividing uh, essentially ended a 30-year civil war in Sudan. How are people, the people of Texas, going to see immediate benefits from independence from the United States? Did I get that right, Craig? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I know sometimes here on the show you guys talk about Governor Sununu and how, uh, you know, 
they may take advantage of their power. So, oh, yeah, he's a bad guy. There's no doubt about it. And I suspect the Texas governor is also a bad guy. So, what do you what do you say about that? Are you trading one uh, uh, government for another? Like what? Yeah, what one is tyrant it? for another? Go ahead, Daniel. Well, okay. I mean, so to take your example, currently in this situation, we have both tyrants, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, from from that perspective, why have a layer of government that you don't need? Um, you know, here here in Texas, you know, and this is what we were talking about before the break. If 100% of us agreed on an issue, uh, it could be overridden by the federal system, right? And so what that effectively does for us is it takes potential solutions off the table. Uh, It's been my contention for many years that we've never had any legitimate policy discussions on anything that is substantive uh, because the federal government is always the 800-pound gorilla in the room. You know, mm-hmm. two sessions back, we we did a study of all the legislation filed here in Texas, and we found that 41% of all bills um, mentioned the federal government in some way, whether it was a federal law, federal regulation, a federal court case, a federal agency, mm-hmm. uh, federal dollars, I mean, whatever it was. And so what that meant was that half of our legislation almost was being written by a bunch of reprehensibles in Washington, D.C., two and a half million unelected bureaucrats unaccountable, unelected federal judges or K Street lobbyists. So, you know, you want to talk about what the immediate effect is. Well, the immediate effect is we actually get control over our own destiny. You know, if you want people to be responsible, give them responsibility. If you want them to be irresponsible, you take responsibility away. Right now, the federal government is uh, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. They suck all of the oxygen out of every conversation that we have. They take all the attention of the electorate. And so what happens is at a state and local level, these guys can get away with murder mm. practically because all of the attention is drawn to that circus uh, sideshow in Washington, D.C. You take that out of the equation. Now, all of a sudden, as an independent nation, there's no more outside money flowing into our elections, right? Everything begins and ends at our borders. Uh, our decisions get to be our own. Our money gets to stay here and be our own. Um, I mean, it, there are a, a tremendous amount of effects. So, you know, for, for folks like yourself or myself or others out there that have an idea of how they want government to work or not work, or they have policies that they want to see, the best way you make that happen is you take the federal government out of the equation. I like it. It's very inspiring. And, and I'm someone who has built a software to try to get everyone to have their own currency. So I just want to say, even if you guys don't actually get de facto independence politically, you could start your own currency, the Texas currency. And I think um, there's nothing illegal about that. It's um, a great idea. Be yeah, a way to no. get started on this uh, early. Go ahead. Well, I was about to say, as, as a matter of fact, several sessions back, um, we worked on a piece of legislation called the Texas Gold Depository Act. And um, uh, effectively what it did, of course, the headline that everybody grabbed was that Texas was, quote unquote, getting its own Fort Knox. Right. <laughs> but that really wasn't the, the takeaway that everyone should have had. It was the provision in the bill that said that the comptroller had to establish a system of electronic transaction denominated by deposits of precious metals in the depository. So, you know, we're, we're already moving that direction. But, but to your point about if we don't get political independence, we should work on our economic independence. Uh, understand that, that Texas is not just a hope, wish, or a dream. It's an inevitability mm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the arrow left the bow when we founded the organization dedicated to political advocacy. We were polling in single digits 
um, when when we founded the organization in 2005. Now, the mm. good news is, is that we always pulled higher than the approval rating of U.S. Congress. <laughs> which gener- yeah, the, those guys generally poll somewhere, you know, right above or below leprosy. Right. So that's not exactly a gold standard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we're, we're at a point now where we've got between 60 and 66 percent of likely voters that will vote for it if it goes on a ballot. So, you know, whether it's this session or next session or whatever it is, it's ultimately going to happen. We did a study uh, a few years back where we wanted to determine uh, what what the actual imbalance was between, um, you know, what what Texas is getting from the federal government and what we're putting in. And so we did a calculation and all in, essentially what we found was accounting for every single dollar that comes into Texas, whether it's in, in those farm subsidies, whether it's in, you know, payroll contracts, whatever it is, uh, Texas is overpaying somewhere between 103 to $160 billion annually into the federal system. So independence essentially means that that money stays here. Uh, if we wanted to, <clears throat> if we wanted to, uh, we could replicate every single solitary program. We could hire every federal employee. We could duplicate every agency. We could do all those things. Now, that's ultimately not what's going to happen, um, you know, as we stabilize. But but I think it's important to understand from a transitional standpoint that we could have, you know, minimal disruption. You know, you're talking about minimizing disruption. Now, that's not to say that we want to replicate everything the federal government does. I mean, what, what would the point of that be? Um, but what it does is, is I think it, it, it begins, uh, I think it's a point where we can begin the discussion of what we want a post-Texas Texas to look like. And it gives us a starting point to say, okay, look, if, if this is indeed the case and we've got the federal government crushing our energy sector and our agriculture sector and, you know, pretty much every sector, if we're being honest, uh, and, you know, part of that imbalance is related to these subsidies. Well, we've got an opportunity to take a look at that without disrupting the lives or, you know, uh, you know, it, I guess endangering our food security or any of those things. We have the opportunity to, to take our time and fix those things and do them in a way that, that really is congruent with what our, our values and ideals are here. I also have one more question. If this process. Oh, no, I'm sorry, sir. Limit one per customer. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Greg. Love it. Um, No, just I I saw um, when the USSR fell apart and uh, Ukraine and Belarus and others exited, Mm -hmm. um, or Yugoslavia fell apart and you had the Balkanization, I guess, um, or the Balkans, and you have Serbia and uh, Kosovo independence and uh, Montenegro. So. In Ukraine specifically, you see a big difference between West Ukraine and East Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. And East Ukraine ended up with a lot of like ethnic Russians, I guess. People used to live there, um, maybe with a Russian passport even. Um, and so my question is, it became a country which, I guess, started to be uh, torn apart uh, by outside powers, uh, influencing one or another way. Uh, and you know, for they they wanted good things, I suppose. You know, EU wanted a closer association, for example. But at the end of the day, look what's going on. So my question is, <clears throat> if people within Texas, uh, a city, let's say, or region, wants to secede from Texas, then and so on, like Austin, Austin, like Austin, Austin, yeah, Austin would probably keep Austin weird. You know, is a big uh, is a big thing in the past. This also known as being a hard left city in a not so lefty state. So like, or you see, for example, in a Brexit, where you have the Scottish uh, independence referendum to secede from the UK, 
and maybe rejoin uh, the EU even or something to that effect. You know, the, the Scottish referendum. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, can you talk a little bit about that? And again, I, I'm just trying to understand. Uh, sure. You know, from my perspective, I don't like violence, and so. I hate when like the imperialism happens in the first place when you conquer, right? Genghis Khan conquered, but once it's like set up, um, there is something to be said about like people not fighting each other with these small wars because now they're focusing on like uh, cooperating on roads and they have the same language and they have the same everything. Like you know, the, it seems they're better off by not um, competing. So that's why I, I'm coming from that perspective. But if we do the other way and we start uh, decentralizing, I like that too. But then what happens if the decentralization proceeds further and uh, cities start uh, saying this? Yeah, same? would Austin be able to break away uh, from Texas under this sort of movement, do you think? Well, you know, it, it gets down to, and I mean, this gets really down the rabbit hole when you start dealing with um, kind of secession theory and you, you start talking about the remedial right of secession versus a primary right. But really and truly, you know, what, what you've got to remember is, uh, you know, and this is true here in Texas, I'm sure it's true in, in many other states, you know, counties are administrative subdivisions of the state, okay? I mean, those, those counties were effectively created by the state. Cities, municipalities are political subdivisions of the state. So, you know, they are, for all intents and purposes, part of Texas. So in that vein, you would be talking about true secession, and that's a whole other conversation that we need to have go ahead major yeah miller was a good name for that dude he uh knows how to separate the wheat from the chaff so to speak there you go <clears throat> love it with but, the name stuff but uh as captain likes to make fun of me for saying but uh um well there's a, a bill that was introduced to the senate it's going through the house right now and they're trying to turn the uh, the cartels into terrorists. Oh, jeez. military reason and permission to go across the border and attack these uh, a-holes. Yeah, this is insane. Uh, I have heard this proposal, and uh, we've heard it from one of the presidential candidates as well. Uh, but now they're doing it already in the U.S. House. So they want to cover Mexico in depleted uranium and kill all the babies like they did in Iraq? Yes, they yeah. want to start well, bombing I'm, I'm, people oh, I'm, in Mexico. What I'm is what we just heard from this here Texicanian, that uh, maybe the government's got another plan for uh, changing their minds. Uh, you're, you're suggesting I, I the federal know. government I'm, would bomb I'm, Texas? I see the fog of my crystal ball here. You're suggesting the federal government would bomb Texas? No, no. I think they would attack the southern border across the cartels and uh, make the Texans actually think they were doing something about all the infiltration of drugs and aliens and everything else that they've been neglecting for the last two years. And you think that'll get the Texans back on board with staying with the United States? I cannot understand the thought of crazy people. I'm trying to put myself in their head, and it's hard. Who are the crazy people here in your in your the mind? Government. Okay, good. Yeah, I agree with you there. This is insane. The idea of dropping bombs and attacking the Mexican drug cartels is just pure psychopathy. It is, you know, bringing. They're talking about drone strikes, uh, airstrikes against these cartels down there. I mean, it, look, the war on drugs for a long time 
has had the benefit of the drugs not fighting back, but you better believe they're going to fight back if uh, if it's active like bombing raids that are going against those people down there. And, and it's it, just inhumane. I, I don't know how much power the cartels have down there and control over the Mexican government, but it, it, like any other government, it's got to be, you know, dirty so a tadpole sure. can't really swim in it. Yep. The, um, the solution to this drug, you know, drugs... Uh, cartel's power is quite simply just remove the prohibition on all these drugs that would end it overnight and and then the solution on the people coming across the border that are coming here just to suck off the system is to just end all and all welfare entitlements just eliminate every single one and uh or 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 at least don't have it if you know for 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 the uh foreigners but at least i I think they should all be eliminated personally and then you wouldn't have the issue well they'll still come by for the seasonal jobs we want them we need them yeah Right now, there's a ton of jobs available, and I I'd think, lo- love to hire a bunch of Mexicans. Well, yeah. that's what I mean. I think these imaginary, you know, ideas. Uh, somebody does an imaginary crime of uh, jumping a border somewhere in or the middle of nowhere, a plant or cocaine or whatever, or yeah. having it in their possession. Victimless yeah. crime. I don't think anyone was harmed by jumping over a fence somewhere. Uh, but uh, especially, you know, if that person goes on to pick your crops and uh, take uh, minimum wage to do so. And is happy and then helps their family back home. But, you know, libertarians may not respect national borders uh, as much as uh, statists uh, do. And I think uh, people come to like the idea that they live in this country or that country. And, uh, you know, if someone is not from our country, well, they don't get as much. I want concentric circles. I want you to say something. And then people that disagree with you, experts, get them in a room, let them write an article together. And then let the public see that. Because when, and, and in science, we call this peer review. You don't just have a scientist announcing at 3 a.m. that here's a paper. You all believe this now because you're my followers, right? There's no followers in science. There is peer review and there is challenges. Mm-hmm. Same in open source. I can't just submit a patch to Linux software. You know, they have to vet it, they have to make sure because it goes on thousands of computers. That's responsibility. We don't put stuff in people's minds without actually challenging the idea first. But when you own your audience, when you have a direct uh, line to them with no checks, no balances, they just subscribe to you. That is ownership. But I think it's actually is what driving our society apart. And that's why I'm for collaboration and, yeah, arguing. But in that concentric circle, let the article incorporate both sides. And it won't get the clicks and it won't be as uh, controversial and as sexy to the algorithm. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Wikipedia doesn't radicalize people. Twitter does. I think that um, what I'm hearing you comment on is more of the social media aspect of people interacting with one another. And while that can get a little heated sometimes and the disagreements I'm sure on Wikipedia can get fairly heated or whatever – it doesn't usually lead to a war, okay? It usually doesn't lead to people fighting physically uh, with one another and killing uh, each other. Right, and because— but politics mm-hmm. does. Politics does, and that's because people with different opinions think it's okay because we've been raised by the government indoctrination system to tell us that it's totally fine if you have enough people on your side to force the minority to do your bidding. And that's where we find ourselves at the the national level right now is where these two different groups, for lack of you know any other subtlety, the two different groups, the left and the right, 
are fighting to try to force one another to live a certain way. Maybe the left wants to force, uh, you know, the drag shows on the right and the right wants to force church on the left or whatever, right? Like that seems to be the current uh, conflict, social conflict du jour. And, you know, the people that support independence just say, hey, look, we would be better off cooperating with one another if you guys were over there and the other guys, you know, the other team was over here. That way products could cross borders, but, you know, people wouldn't necessarily have to. And I guess what I mean by that is, like, right now, we can trade with China, okay, and and vice versa. And, I mean, taking away all the, the stupid tariffs and crap that's in the way. But, it, you know, in theory... You should be able to, to trade with people around the world, even though those people may not have the same ideas about politics as you. But since they're over there and we're over here, it doesn't matter that they're communists or whatever it is they're doing. I mean, it may be horrific what they're doing to some of their people, like, for instance, the Uyghur Muslims. But trade can go on without having to fight over no, the political things. Going that's on. And that can happen important. in the United States when Texas secedes, when New Hampshire secedes, when California secedes. We may see... You know, sort of self-selection of people voting with their feet, hard leftists moving into California, conservative types moving into Texas, and libertarians moving into New Hampshire. We can all still trade with each other. We can cooperate on the things that we agree on, but we don't have to spend all this time fighting with one another over trying to force each other into uh, whatever belief systems. Oh, I, I agree. Here. I think that— So then you should support Texas independence. Well, I, what I'm saying, though, is that when we uh, separate ourselves and segregate ourselves even more, like, for example, the black nationalists, uh, the new Black Panther Party, mm-hmm. okay? The old Black Panther Party were socialists, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huey uh, Newton uh, and— uh, Basically, what they did was they uh, started this party. They they uh, disavow the new one. The new one is a black separatist party. They want to have okay. an ethno state within the United States, separate themselves from white people. For example, I think that once people separate, they they lose even more ties with each other. All I'm trying to say is, when you destabilize a system, you get a proxy war a lot of the time. It's either between Iran and Saudi Arabia, or it's between Russia and the United States, and the country that's caught in the middle. We, we had this in Afghanistan. This guy, Brzezinski, he's proud of the fact that we bled uh, the Soviet Union dry because, like you said, they collapsed. But two million Afghans died. Civilians, human beings. And Brzezinski's like, I should regret that? Look at the great geopolitical uh, thing that we've accomplished. And, like, that's the problem. People put ideology and geopolitical ambitions ahead of people's lives. If it was their family having to die and themselves, they would talk very differently but volunteering other people to die you know it's like you pay no cost you have no skin in the game i find that to be very obscene i don't think those people are very different bernie sanders is the same way he's like he he used to have sister cities with the soviet union back in the day his city burlington uh, vermont Mm -hmm. he went over to the soviet union trying to make peace with like sister cities program whatever my point is uh, look i'll just say even this about the soviet union i think it started to become very liberalized under gorbachev and if we let that run for 30 years, it could have been a very liberal uh, federation right now. Certainly wouldn't be killing each other over territorial. The same things they didn't kill you each mean other like China? before. Yeah, China. Uh, China is a federation, right? But their government is very totalitarian. Like I would step in if there's a genocide or people are being put into co- uh, camps and re-education camps. And here in this country, we have a lot of people incarcerated as well in mm-hmm. a drug war. I want to get involved in these countries but there has to be 
almost the other way, a transnational uh, body of law that says you can't do this. We have to have inspectors on the ground. We have to have a, agree on what human rights is. You can't just put people into camps because of their religion. Uh, so, But that involves a bigger cooperation, not a balkanization, but rather people have to agree on what the law should be across countries. The human rights are you know, should be defended. And you can't do that if everyone is living in their own bubble. Well, you can't ask uh, politicians to define human rights because they're monsters. These are the psychopaths that Jay was talking about earlier. These are the people who are attracted. I mean, you've been, com- you've been rightfully uh, criticizing the corporations, the big tech, the big media here tonight. And they've done studies that show that the psychopaths are attracted to not just uh, political power, but also corporate power as That's well. Right. So been saying that. These, these companies are run by, many of them, run by psychopaths. These governments of the world, the very people who would be deciding on these human rights that you're talking about at these international organizations, whether it be the UN or the World Economic Forum or whoever, you fill in the blank, the Bilderberg Group, these are the psychopaths. These are not the people you want to talk to about human rights. So you cannot have... More freedom for the little guy by centralizing power. And so what I'm hearing from you, Greg, yeah. is, is contradictory. At least that's my understanding so, okay, of it tonight. So, yeah. You're saying on one hand you support decentralization. I do. On the other hand, you're saying keep things status quo and even maybe have larger I support decentralization by not doing violence first, not destabilizing things first. I want to build open source software. I want people to do science. I want people to actually spend time with their kids and educate them instead of sticking them in public school because they have to survive and they have to pay the rent. Because both men and women flooded the labor pool mm-hmm. over the last decades, and the women are being told the corporations are basically hijacking some very good movements. Uh, like, for example, women's lib, right? Women's liberation, we want to go to college, we want to get educated. Okay, that's great. But then they're being told that, you know what, your life's purpose is, is to climb the corporate ladder and to... That doesn't sound very fulfilling. Make partner. You have to work 10 hours a day. So nobody has time for their kids anymore. Right. And my point is your parents took care of you. You don't take care of your parents if you put them in a nursing home. Now, the kids are medicated with ADHD medication, mm-hmm. which is amphetamines. They also have medication now for other things, gender dysphoria. They call it now in DSM is gender dysphoria. However, not everybody... Uh, autism is another thing. Some people really do uh, want to transition, but what they do is they're very lazy. They're like, okay, I, I want to cover my ass, so I'm just going to like do whatever, you know, whatever. I'm just going to give the medication. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.